Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Inside Scoop. My name is Neil Crawford. I'm your host and also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. A few weeks back, I interviewed a special guest by the name of Tessa Thomas. And Tessa is the founder and CEO of a website called Recruit HQ. And Recruit HQ's mission and what they do is they give an inside look at the college athletic programs across the country from the perspective of those athletes who actually entered the program and completed it. And the way they do that is, it's a free service where if you're looking to go to college and play at a college, you can go and look at all the reviews and that gives you some information there. Same thing for a college transfer. And if you've graduated from these schools or you're attending these schools and you want your voice to be heard, you want to help out the next generation, you create an account and you leave a review. And they've collected thousands of reviews across the spectrum of athletic programs. And then they also offer other services like, you know, to help you navigate the college uh, recruiting process. So I encourage you to go out and check out, especially if you're entering, if you're considering going to college uh, to play athletics or you're in that sophomore, junior, or senior year and you're trying to decide where to attend, I encourage you to check out Recruit dash hq.com and we'll leave that information in the show notes so in addition to the service she provides she's also a storied athlete softball athlete at Winthrop College and for those who listen to the podcast you know that when I get guests on like this I like to um, ask them a few questions about their early childhood and what they think uh, contributed to their success on the pitch on the on the field and off and I did that with Miss Thomas, and she was gracious enough to share some of her um, earliest memories of her athletic career, and she was actually a multi-sport athlete, and so I found her her story pretty um, fascinating as well, and she comes to us from Canada, and so um, what you'll hear next is an interview we did for the Facebook group, um, but I thought I'd give you this intro because the interview is actually um, was actually video, so some things you may 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 or may not catch. And so if you want to interact with um, with Tessa, you want to learn more about the uh, website, feel free to go to recruit-hq.com or join the Anytime Soccer Training Facebook group and, uh, and we'll post this uh, podcast there. And if you have any specific questions, you can, and I'll tag her there and you can reach out to her personally. Um, that's all I got. Guys, enjoy the interview and let's get better together. Hey guys, welcome to the show. My name is Neil Crawford. I'm the host of the show and also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. This is another special edition for our Facebook group. I want to introduce a very special lady. As a matter of fact, you're the first lady on the show. Oh, no way. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> who has a unique business and also a unique story. And I wanted her to share her story and a little bit about what you do as well. And then folks in the Facebook group, um, reach out to, um, and I'm going to give her a name, I'm building it up, reach out to her personally to connect on any level and and that's what anytime soccer facebook group is about yes we uh we have parents yes we have coaches and yes we have um budding entrepreneurs in the athletic space 
And I want to bring these uh, folks and introduce them to you because at the end of the day, all of us have the same passion. We want to help people get, get better. We want to create something that we wish we had 10 or 15 years ago. It doesn't exist. And it's important that we all get to know each other so that we can um, help our parents, trainers, and coaches on a more personal level. So with that being said, I want to introduce Miss Tessa Thomas, who is coming from, to us from O Canada. <laughs> Tessa, you are the founder, and I'm going to say CEO, founder and CEO. <laughs> I'm the CEO as well, uh, sitting in my closet doing this interview, so I don't know <laughs> what that means. Uh, founder and CEO of, and I'm going to look at my notes, Recruit HQ. And Tessa, I want you to tell us exactly what Recruit HQ does and tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll kick off the show. For sure. Thanks so much, Neil. So just a little bit about Recruit HQ. Uh, essentially, our mission at Recruit HQ is to help high school athletes find a college athletic program that they'll love. And how we do that is we've built essentially a platform for former college student athletes to share their experiences, to kind of centralize that experience. A lot of student athletes, a lot of young high school athletes and their families aren't super well networked. And so it can be really difficult to find out, you know, what it's like to play uh, soccer at I'll say Winthrop. I went to Winthrop University in South Carolina. Uh, soccer at Winthrop or, you know, uh, soccer at, gosh, Valdosta State, you know, different schools across different divisions and really to see what that experience is like. And so what we built is a centralized platform where former student athletes uh, and current student athletes at the college level can share those experiences so that you can learn for them, from them to better uh, develop your recruiting journey and the information, you know, that you know at hand and making that super accessible. All that's free to access. And then on top of that, we have a couple of tools uh, to help you through the journey as you go. Okay, so that's, that's really cool. So let me get this straight. I played at Winthrop, I played at University of South Carolina. I had a great experience or not so great experience, or I had a good experience, but there's some information I would love to share with people. For sure. I log on to your website and I give a review of that particular program. Exactly. And then that helps, uh, you know, high school students who are considering that school or transfers really get some real reviews. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we have over, I believe I haven't checked the count uh, as of today, but I, I'm pretty sure we have over 200 reviews across men's and women's soccer already across all three divisions. So there's over a thousand reviews on the platform already. Um, and what you tend to see is when we have clusters of reviews from the same program, you start to see a trend, right? Which is super valuable over time, of course. But, you know, if you're seeing, uh, like you said, University of South Carolina, you know, maybe there's three athletes that have, uh, have rated and reviewed that program. And when I say ratings as well, uh, we also approach everything very holistically. Like we know that the student athlete experience isn't just about what happens on the field. And so uh, we rate across a number of criteria, including uh, fairness and respect, uh, team morale and skill instruction, the overall experience you had. Um, and then there's long form answers of like pros and cons and things like that. And, and in those long form answers, you'll get everything from, you know, cafeteria food wasn't so great to, you know, uh, the facilities are awesome and they've been rebuilt since I went there, right? Like those are things that you don't necessarily know if you just are popping onto the athletic department's website. You're really getting, you know, these details from the student athletes. And if you have 
uh, a couple of them from those same programs, you start to see that, you know what, yeah, this actually sounds really awesome, or, you know, maybe they're, they're working on that program to make it better. Yeah, and I love the aggregate data aspect of it, because if I'm an um, athletic director and I see a net positive or negative, I just, as a matter of fact, as a corporate person, yeah. I just filled out the uh, Great Place to Work survey, right. and our company takes that, they force you, they take it really seriously. Yeah, of course. And then they look at that data, and then they start making some institutional uh, changes. Yeah, you can exactly. have one disgruntled employee here or that, but if, if everybody's singing the same hymn sheet, Right. That's something to investigate. So I, I found that powerful. And then I also like the fact that now a student who is equipped with that knowledge, you guys are able to help facilitate them through the recruitment process. There's a few folks in the group that I'm going um, yeah. to email you as well, because I also think there are folks out there who are doing similar work, and I want you to network with them. Okay. And I would love it also, do you talk to some of our folks who have played professionally and just if there's any networking yeah. there, because I think there are going to be some people who are at the crossroads. Ah, should I consider going professional or, you know, division one and that kind of thing. So I right. think, I think there are going to be a lot of opportunities um, to network as well. So awesome. now in order so that folks can learn more about you. And one of the things that caught my eye is I, for people who don't know, I'm from Clover, South Carolina. Right. <laughs> and yes. you know, you laughing. See, yeah. Clover has so more, at least when I live there, they have more cows so funny. than people, right? Yeah. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, Winthrop, if you don't know, Winthrop College is in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And I'm old. When I was growing up, see, you probably, when you went to Winthrop, it was a lot better. When I was growing up in Clover, Rock Hill had the only McDonald's. And that was the place all the high oh, school wow. kids hung out. That's so funny. Isn't that crazy? That is funny. So yeah. it's changed dramatically since then. It has. It has. Yeah. But I, I'm asking, I want to ask you a couple of things. Number one, how in the heck did you get to Winthrop from Canada? And For then we're sure. going to dig into your childhood. Yeah, no, sounds good. I know. It's such a, I mean, especially being here. So I'm currently in Toronto and I'm, I'm from uh, essentially the greater Toronto area. Um, so even like here, if I mentioned that I went to Winthrop, people have no idea like what I'm talking about or where I went um, and all of that fun stuff, but a fantastic school and a great division one program, right? So fantastic facilities and, and really competitive across all sports. Um, and how I ended up there was actually that our, our coach, um, he actually came up here. He actually started scouting up here uh, in, in Toronto at the, the summer league and summer ball tournaments that were happening here around Toronto uh, when I was younger. And um, a couple of years ahead of me, he found some really great talent. And so it kind of created a little bit of a pipeline um, that, you know, he'd found a little bit of an untapped resource, I think, north of the border. Um, and so that's how my awareness of Winthrop started. Um, when I kept playing, this would, this would have been pre, so this would have been probably grade, even grade eight, grade nine, knowing of Winthrop and and before that any kind of NCAA knowledge that I had would have been pretty solely through March Madness right pretty much through camping in front of my TV for a week and watching college basketball when I was a kid so you know you know of some schools but you don't know of a, a lot of them really you know maybe 30 to 50 uh, that you hear about kind of year in and year out but the other you know, literally thousand schools across the NCAA, you, you don't learn about. Um, and so my knowledge of Winthrop definitely started because players in my community, and sorry, I should say that I played softball, 
Uh, yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, I was going to say, what sport did you play? I played softball. So players in my community ended up going down to school. Um, and other schools in the U.S. as well. So that was part of it. And then uh, over time, um, started that relationship with her, with my former head coach. Okay, so that's an interesting, very interesting story in that, and I, and I can see the inspiration, part of the inspiration between a Recruit HQ in that you found Winthrop, a school that you were not going to familiar with, a school yeah. that I happen to know is amazing, right. and you would have never known, right? So exactly. without that's that kind exactly of connection. It. So, exactly um, 100%. Yeah. So now, yeah, I'm connecting the dots. Yeah. So you mentioned that you played softball at a high level, and I think I saw something you posted I think I did, where you might made the Hall of Fame of softball or, or sports I, or something. I did. Well, I, I, I was inducted into the Winthrop Hall of Fame this year. Oh, wow. Yeah, so when I, I go, you know softball. what? When I go, yeah. uh, my, my <laughs> boys always ask me when I'm going to interview a celebrity. Hey, that's <laughs> yeah. a, hey, I met Tessa. They're going to be like, what? First of <laughs> yeah. all, where, but anyways, hey, I'll yeah. take it any way I can get it. So yeah. now I am a parent trainer. Yeah. I asked you to listen to our podcast. And I'm yes. glad you did. Yeah, for sure. So I promised the listeners that if I would, when I speak to people who played at a high level, yep. um, athletically, just to ask them a few questions about their childhood. So I'm going to put you on for the sure. spot. Yeah. Did your parents work? Actually, let me, let me rephrase it. Let me, let me ask it another way. First of all, do you always remember yourself being like a star athlete? Uh, I would, so yes and no. Like, I always in, very much enjoyed playing and being an athlete, but there was definitely a time where it was not good. <laughs> like, like that I very much remember. I remember actually the first, so when you're younger, uh, especially up here, um, I actually didn't start off playing softball. I started off playing baseball with the boys because at a certain age, it's, you know, it's pretty much all the same. And so when I started off playing baseball, I remember I wanted to play first base and my coach wouldn't let me because I couldn't catch the ball properly. Like I was catching it in a way where I could, you know, I could literally break my thumb. Like he was like, no, you, you can't be at that position. It's, it's actually too dangerous for. And, and how old you. were you then? I would have been, I would have been maybe nine Okay. Maybe, yeah, maybe about nine years old. Okay. So I wanted, I definitely wanted to play. Like, I, you know, I, I had that in me and I definitely, I'm not going to say that I, I wasn't born an athlete. I for sure was, but there was definitely a, a point in time in every sport that I played where I wasn't good at it. <laughs> so okay. it's not like I just, you know, woke up and was, you know, phenomenal athlete um, in, in those ways. But um yeah, for sure. There's definitely been work involved. All right. So then did your parents or parent, you tell me whatever, work with you specifically? Right. So anything athletic? Yeah. So I have an interesting background. So I'm pretty much from a, a single parent home family. My mom, a uh, single mom uh, for most of my upbringing. And she actually was an elite sprinter and national, she was a national sprinter and national field hockey athlete for Guyana. Um, so she was actually an Olympic qualifying sprinter when she was younger. Um, so those gifts are 100% from her. Um, but oddly, 
she didn't push in the way that you might think that a parent uh, who competed at a very high level would. And I would say what she did do was she was always supportive. Like she was always there. She took me to all the games, all the practices, did all that. Um, she would, I could hear her during games. I could hear her in the crowd, which uh, meant something to me for sure. Uh, always pretty much just encouraging, but she didn't work with me skill-wise, right? Like to improve my, my swing or like in any, and so I played five sports through high school. I was like a five sport athlete. Um, and there was no direct like skill instruction that she would, you know, help out with in that sense. But, you know, after a game, she might say like, oh, well, this didn't go so well, or like, what was that about? Or, you know, something like that, like that kind of digest in the car finishing up. But she actually was pretty hands off in a lot of ways. So I don't know if that lines up with what you might think. <laughs> well, I don't, you know what, I don't have a, I, you know, here's what I think. I think all people yeah. are different. So yeah. what we, what I like to do is hear people's authentic, their authentic yeah. experience and what they remember. For sure. And then what I want to do is interview a hundred people and then let what I always say in my podcast, this is for public consumption. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So it didn't let people draw from that what they want because I don't yeah. I don't really have a view on it. Now, um, but I will say this though. So you played all of these sports. Yeah. Your mom did not grow up playing softball. I don't no. No, okay. Definitely not. So that's interesting to me because I think a lot of parent trainers have yeah. a passion for a sport right and then they really right 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 push right. their kid to that sport yes. which I actually don't yeah think it's, I think that's normal my dad right. was a baseball coach yeah and he steered me to baseball um yeah. I just think that's the way it is not yeah. not fencing because right. he, he didn't know anything about <laughs> fencing so I don't have a problem with that yeah but I find it very interesting that you found this passion for softball so do would you consider yourself a passionate softball player or is that one of the five and you're really good at it and you said, okay, I'm going to double down on this? Or how would you describe that? No, I think, well, and I think what happens is for sure, there's, there are moments, I think, where you, um, you see that you're better at certain things, you know, and, and that can play a factor. But I think what for sure happened was it was, the, it was what I enjoyed the most. Uh, okay. 100%. And I also happened to be, it also happened to be the thing that I was, you know, I think best at, out of all those sports. Um, but I would say there was a, a caveat um, that did happen as well, which is um, the Toronto Blue Jays won the World Series when I was young. So when I was like five and six years old, essentially our pro team here in Toronto won you know the world championship and so there was a huge influx of interest in baseball in general um at that time but you know that's the type of thing that would wear off fairly quickly so while that might have been kind of more my introduction i think what happened over time was it was just the sport that i that i fell in love with compared to the other ones all right so okay so your mom didn't work with you specifically like hey we're going to go out here and we're going to practice your swing no. Did anyone as a child, did she pay anybody to do that? No. Private trainers, uh, basically. No, no private trainers. I have an older brother. 
my older brother, huge baseball fan. He was playing before I was playing. So I used to go to his games and things like that. So we would play around like we would, him and I would, you know, kind of play around in the backyard or like go to the park or stuff. To be honest, not super consistently. Like those memories for me are pretty scattered. So I wouldn't say there was any kind of consistency really there. Um, but we would, you know, do that every so often um, or ever so often. And he would have been the only person external to the teams that I was on who would have, you know, been, been doing the extra work with me, essentially. Yeah. But, and, you know, yeah. it's funny you say that and you bring it back, you're bringing back the cobwebs for me. Yeah. So because my, my dad was a baseball coach. Right. Now, he coached a men's league, and these types of leagues don't exist anymore. It right. was one of the remnants of the um, old Negro leagues. They don't even exist anymore. Right. But I was really good at baseball, but I think yeah. it's partly I just went to their practices all the time, and I was always right. playing. Yes. But what I, what I don't know, well, I do know, but I don't know, is uh, I know that I wasn't good enough to go any, take it to another level. I don't know like how someone like me, if they had gotten a lot of hands-on practice, this right, thing, right. no one even thought about this when I was growing up, yep. what that would have looked like. For sure. I did have a cousin that pitched in the major leagues. So I need to actually, what am I doing? I need to call him because I, I had a cousin that pitched, yeah. first yeah. cousin of mine pitching the major leagues. Yeah. But you know, as a pitcher, I mean, that's such a- uh, It's so hard, yeah. It's hard, but you have yeah. to have such innate skill. Because not that not very many people can grow up throwing 90 miles an hour fastballs. Sure. So so I'm interested in that. And now, okay, so I got that. So then when do you believe the light bulb went off? And right. let me give you let me give you some perspective. So in one of my podcasts, I said, hey, listen, I work with my younger ones, they don't want it. And I try to keep it yeah. short and sweet, but I do some deliberate practice with them. Yeah. And I'm hoping that by the time they're 12 or 13, this is my theory. Uh that yeah. they will then decide, okay, this is kind of what I, if they, if they decide this is what I want to do, they will take the mantle and start working on their own more. And I should start seeing some of these, uh, some of this intrinsic motivation. Right. That's a theory. I don't know. Yeah. So for you, as someone who yeah. played at the elite level, when did the light bulb go off or did, was the light bulb always going on? I think for me. Um, oh, and let me define yeah. light bulb. Sure. Doing things that other people are not doing not that doing. you would not find particularly fun, like staying out to practice, working oh, yeah. on your, doing whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny that you ask that because it's actually, and I'm just being honest, it's actually, it's actually hard to remember a time where that wasn't the case. So I think it happened for me pretty early. Um, but I would say that I did have, I had great coaches when I was younger. Um, not everybody gets so lucky in that sense, to be honest. Um, and so our, our practices, even my very first baseball coach when I was literally, oh my, um, would have been grade four, grade five. Uh, he came from a martial arts background. And so he was all about, you know, the deliberate practice. Like we, our, the way our practices were structured was atypical for you know, seven, eight, nine-year-olds to be practicing that way. And what I saw, and I think the light bulb, to me, the light bulb, it, it's an interesting analogy, but uh, just actually this week, um, 
just as an aside, uh, the new women's basketball coach at Duke University, I think Carol Lawson, she had a, a, an amazing video that I think hits the nail on the head, which is she was just talking about the difference between hard work and competitiveness. And she's like, I can make you work hard, you know, essentially in this practice, but for you to compete, for you to turn that on and want to win is actually a different thing. And that's, that has to, and I do think that she's accurate that that has to come from a different place and that has to be intrinsic. And so what I think happened for me is I had coaches who were very much on the side of hard work and deliberate practice and the results bred into my competitiveness, which is, oh, I see if we do this, we get this, which is like, we win, we win championships. Like we are doing awesome. I'm doing well. I'm actually now a better player than I was, you know, the year before or whatever. And it's like that drove everything. Right. And then once you get to that insight of, oh, if I do a, you know, there's an opportunity to get to B it, it, it's almost like it just feeds the loop. Right. And you can see where, where that can potentially go. Um, I think for female athletes, it's a little bit different in that there aren't very many professional opportunities. And so you're typically looking, um, you know, if you're, of course, uh, the elite of the elite, the national stage, right, the Olympics, um, you know, national team kind of things, um, or the NCAA, right, and there aren't too many opportunities um, outside of those for a lot of female athletes to earn a living in their sport. Right. You can keep playing and, and, you know, keep doing all that, certainly. Um, but I think what you see is until that, you know, turns on, and I think it is actually more an innate, an innate competitiveness than anything. Um, it's when that hits that I think you can start to see like, oh, this door might now be cracked open a little bit. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I mean, now when you start talking about athletes who are playing non-money-making sports or female athletes that don't have a clear pipeline to professionalism, to a professional life, they really got to have heart. So I love that. And I want you to share that video if you can get it um, to the group, because I think that embodies part of what I'm trying to say. My argument is my boys are too young, and I'm using myself as an example, too young to have that fire. I'm hoping that by, uh, and I, and I, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping that those positive rewards they get, that positive reinforcement will create a culture. I don't know. So this is what I, this is what I spent a lot of time thinking about. And so I'm going to conclude with a a couple more questions. And then I want you to remind the listeners how they can get in contact with you and about your business. And if you're just joining us, this is Neil Crawford. I'm the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. And I'm sitting down with Miss Tessa Thomas, the CEO and founder of, let me get this right, Recruit HQ. And that's a website that that does a number of things. Number one, helps you through your recruiting journey, but they're also uh, giving our athletes a voice to rate these schools and hold these schools accountable. And I'm going to be very, I think one day you guys are going to be publishing research and really just rating schools. Yeah. You're gonna be like so. the better business bureau of college athletics. If you need a consultant, I only charge $200 an hour. <laughs> I'll be happy to give you some ideas. Now, Perfect. so with that uh, being said, all right. You got a 10 year old. You just yeah. adopted my 10 year old. Yes. 
what are you going to do differently than your mom did? Or are you going to do the same thing with in the back of your mind, right. no judgment, you yeah. want them to be an elite level athlete in a particular sport? What are you going to do? Are you going to say, play your five sports? Are you going to say, you need to come in the backyard with me and work on this? Are you going to do hands off, laissez-faire? Right. And just wait and see what, um, what they want yeah. to do when they're 14? Right. You got my 10 year old. What, what are you going to do? Oof, it's a good question. Um, for me, so I still, I still very much believe that um, young kids should play multiple sports. I'm still very much a proponent of that. I don't think um, like essentially uh, specializing early is to be honest, that much more beneficial for most young athletes. I think the, one of the things that, so I was an outfielder in softball. Um, the thing that actually helped me be able to dive, to learn how to dive was playing volleyball. Okay. It's a completely different sport, but there's like this crossover of skill set and movement that informed, you know, that one informed the other. And so I do think it's, it's super important for young kids to play multiple sports, uh, even from, sorry, go, go ahead. Yeah, so, because I want to dig deeper. So let's just yep. say get, you got the 10-year-old, and are you going to go and actively say, listen, I need to sign you up for baseball, basketball, football, not, well, depending on how you feel about right. flag football, whatever, swimming. I, I'm going to sign you up, and because I want you to try all these different things, or are you thinking about it intentionally about putting that child in different sports, even though they may enjoy one more? And then how would you deal with the fact that, you know, modernly, modern um, sports, if you play competitive, I'm using soccer, because that's where we yeah, focus. For sure. They're asking for 10 months of your um, time. Your time. So are you doubling up? So I'm kind of putting you on the spot. For sure. But I'm putting yeah. you on the spot for our parent trainers. because 100%. Because it's one of those situations where, uh, I, let me tell you what I do. Yep. First of all, I recognize the challenge and I recognize now the dilemma that our, our, our competitive sports are asking for more and more of our time. Mm -hmm. I don't think they need as much time as they're asking for, for our young right. kids. Yes. I do think there is one or 2% of the population out there who do need to be in some kind of competitive situation. Right. Those in Europe are your academy professionals it's about right. 30 kids right, right. per team right. per age group yeah in america we didn't gone crazy yeah right so that's my opinion there yeah. it is about every city has about 30 kids that need to be focused on this the rest right. of us six months seven months at the most is good yeah and i would oh sorry, hold on let me say yeah, this so the way i handle my sons and then i'm gonna get your opinion is yep. soccer is their main sport and they play other, the other sports as a complete recreational fun activity. Right, right. So now that I say that, yeah. back to you. Yeah, for sure. So I would say to me, it's the approach that I would take and it, because I felt like it was beneficial as the experience that I had was that I wouldn't necessarily put them in a sport, but see what they what else they want to do so it's not about me personally it's like well do do you want to play anything else anything else interesting is it badminton is it tennis like what is it what is the thing that like the sport that you want to do 
I think that's actually the most important thing. My, my, the only thing my, and my mom will tell, will tell this to people, the only thing she made myself, my brother do was learn how to swim and learn how to skate, ice skate, because we're, we're in Canada. <laughs> I was with you with swimming. So, yeah. Well, skating is such a big, it's such a big part of this culture, and she's not originally from here. So just having, um, she wanted us to be able to participate in, you know, things that were happening in our communities. So skating and swimming, those are the only two things she ever literally signed us up for. Everything else was of my own interest, right? So she herself was a track, track and field hockey. I ran track uh, as well because I wanted to. She actually never, you know, made me run track or anything like that. But I was like, oh, I'm fast. This is fun because I'm fast, right? So whatever it is that, you know, if your son is, you, if I had your 10-year-old and he was like, I love soccer, but I also, you know, really want to do basketball, then that would be the other thing that I would go for, to be honest. Um, at 10, you know, I understand the demands of the competitive sports and, and what you're saying, like there might be 30 athletes in any given city that should be, you know, focusing, you know, really intently on that sport. At 10, I don't even think that's the case. I think oh, that might wow. be the case at like 14, probably more so. I played multiple sports. The two that I stuck with the longest were softball and basketball. And so what I would say for sure, just logistically and practically, if you can at least pick sports that have opposing seasons, right, over time, then you'll get to experience a higher level of both, right? If you are picking seasons that, if you're picking sports that compete in season, you're going to have to make a choice sooner rather than later, right? So it's like if one is probably going to be much more recreational than the other that's super competitive. Um, but if you can compete, you know, at a higher level, then if you can pick sports that are at least have opposing main seasons, I understand that now we train, you know, all the time. And it was the same when I trained. So our softball main season, of course, was summer, but we trained, again, 11 months of the year. But in the winter, basketball was the main priority. So I wasn't going to miss a basketball game for a softball practice. Right. And that's also the type of conversation. I mean, we're getting into the weeds a little bit, but those are the types of conversations that, you know, if everybody's on the same page between the athlete, the parent, the coaches of both teams, and they understand what the commitment level is, I think you get actually a lot more flexibility if you're competing, you know, at a high level in multiple sports. Okay. So, yeah. And I like the weeds and uh, I appreciate that. I like yeah. the weeds because a lot of people are not, that's why I'm probing you to dig deeper. For sure. So when did you start the 11 months soccer? I mean, sorry, softball. Uh, that would have been grade eight. Okay. Eighth grade. So, eighth grade, uh, all right. So listen, yeah. let me conclude with my thoughts. And then I want to hear, I want you to uh, remind people what, uh, uh, God, I got to look, Recruit okay. HQ does, yes, and sure. then how they can get in contact with you, even though for we're sure. going to leak it in the Facebook group. Here's my, here are my thoughts. As a parent, I would love nothing more than my son to have access to a six-month competitive soccer program. Right. The challenge is, and at least in my area, they don't exist. It's either right. 10 months at the minimum or nothing. And right. then we have all this pressure from the Joneses to put yes. our child into this stuff. Right. 
So I have been intentional, and you say you don't sign. You, I, I have because mine are pretty young. I am intentional about signing them up because they ain't gonna know anything. Yeah, but I, I do accept that. that I'm not gonna have them doing something and being miserable. So yes. my older one yeah. plays basketball. He loves flag football, which I coach him in. Right. And obviously he plays soccer. Uh, and we just have, we just make it work. Um, I want him to play ba- baseball, but, you know, a lot of kids nowadays, they find it boring, but They're not I into love it. it. Yeah. Well, yeah. And baseball and softball is in the same bucket. It's, it's like a love or hate kind of thing, right? Like, so, see, yeah. I, I grew up playing. I yeah. love it. But yeah. I will say this, they enjoy playing it. They play it with their right. neighbors. And I'm like, see, right. it's fun. Yeah. So I might need to put them in there just to whatever. All right. That's the waters. Yeah. So, so I want to continue this conversation on Facebook. For sure. I happen to believe that most parents are stuck in a dilemma where they would like something different, but nothing different exists. I don't think most parents, most reasonable parents are defining sports specialization as I only do this sport and I don't do anything else. Right. But at the same time, I do believe that we are overdoing it. Here, let me rephrase it. And this is what I worry about. Mm-hmm. Sports as the pie chart of activities right. are too much for our young kids right now. Got it. I think that is a bigger issue that I worry a little bit about in terms of em- emotional sort of right. identity physical wear and tear and whatever yep. that looks like yep. Yep. and yep. just the t- wear in the pool on the family yeah and i so i worry more about competitive and then of that so now you got the right. pie chart of sports that's yep. probably over the top right and the tra- and then you got the pie chart chart of competitive sports so it's yep. one thing to play sports year round that's not competitive right but it's another thing it's like a job yeah so yeah. now you got to add the travel, the money. Uh, so that, and then the family commitment and the practice. Sure. So that pie chart of, of, uh, of the percentage of competitive sports makes mm-hmm. it even more difficult. And I, don't, I just don't even think it's necessary uh, until they're at least in the eighth grade. Yeah. But I'm, I'm a complete hypocrite because right now I don't see other options, yeah. but right. that's kind of where I'm at. Right. I will sure. say that my son's club does a great job of cultivating them as people. Mm-hmm. Right. They're very committed to developing them as individuals. Uh, they're awesome. very mindful of the workload and stuff. Right. Uh, and they do other things. They do um, specialized sort of physical training for the kids. Right. It's really just body weight stuff, learning how to fall, yep. that kind of thing. Yep. So I do like that. Right. But there's no substitute to just being a kid and, a hundred percent and just like play I, I think the thing is um you know I hear you I think the um I loved playing sports I loved playing sports I still do right so the thing is is you know I understand what you're saying like you know as a part of that pie it takes up a lot of space but for me like I that that would that was great <laughs> like like if I wasn't literally playing you know on my teams and doing what I was doing like if I was you know just playing with kids in the neighborhood we were we were playing all the time like we were playing something we were doing something super active right so yeah it is it is um I hear you it's tricky though yeah, yeah. and we could talk about this forever because yeah. I I agree with you as a parent you know of kids i remember my childhood and if they're not in sports then what are they doing and now they're yeah. on the xbox so 
Yeah. You know, that's why I just wanted to throw all these opinions sure. out there for what I call public consumption. Yeah. So that the folks in the group, if they made it this far, they're really interested. <laughs> yeah. They can com they can comment yeah. and let us know what they think. And we're gonna continue the conversation. The only thing I am adamant about is the pro we have to talk about the dilemma. You can't talk about yes. sports specialization, and I'm not lecturing you, but I'm just kind of saying for it's sure. public consumption. Yeah. Without face without talking about there are only there are no programs that are less than 10 months. Right. Okay. So yeah. now let's wrap it up. Tell people how they can get a hold of you. And okay. and uh, thank you so much for having for joining us. No, for sure. Thank you so much, Neil. So recruit HQ. So it's recruit-hq.com. Uh, that's our, our site, our platform. You can hop on there. You can see uh, reviews, verified reviews from, from current and former student athletes about their athletic programs. Uh, it's free to sign up for an account. So hop on there, uh, check us out. And you can find me, I'm in the group, so you can find me in the group as well. Uh, or we're, um, we're at recruit.hq on Twitter and at recruit underscore HQ on Instagram. So what I'll do is I'll link that in the show notes and I'm gonna Perfect. encourage people to follow you guys on Instagram and I'm gonna encourage you to follow awesome. some of our young athletes. We have a lot sure. of, uh, I mean, these people are blowing up social media. They on another level. I so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they're, they're crazy. So I'll, you guys can do, you guys can handle that. Perfect. And I'll link that information in the show notes. Again, I just sat down uh, with Tessa Thompson, CEO of Recruit HQ. My name is Neil Crawford. I'm the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. Thank you guys for watching. Let's get better together.